0: The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Begon's Long Day's Journey Into Night, an official selection of the Cannes Film Festival that culminates in a single hour-long 3D shot. Long Day's Journey Into Night is now playing in 3D at select theaters nationwide.
1: This episode is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, MUBI premieres a new film, from award-winning masterpieces to festival-fresh gems, movies you've been dying to see or ones you've never heard of before there's always something new to discover for a limited time only during the Cannes Film Festival you can try Mubi for 3 months for just $1 till the end of the festival on May 25th go to mubi.com/filmcomment to claim the offer that's m u b i.com/filmcomment for 90 days of hand-picked cinema for just $1
2: avid.tv has a wide varied selection of films Recent documentaries like Travis Wilkerson's Did You Wonder Who Fired the Gun? and eight classic docs by Jean Rouche to French comedies like Monsieur et Madame Adelman and the Japanese horror film Creepy. The Ovid catalog has over 400 films online and new titles are added every two weeks.
3: Welcome to the Film Comment podcast. This is day two of our CAN podcast special edition. Uh, we are going to actually talk about some movies we've seen. In uh, our, our previous episode, we did a bit of a preview and, and talked about The Opener, the Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, my name's Nick Rapold. I'm
4: the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. And for today's episode, I'm pleased to be joined by... Eugene Hernandez, I'm the deputy director at the Film Society of Lincoln Center, now actually called Film at Lincoln Center. I'm still I'm still using the um, the former name occasionally, Nick. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I still find myself doing that as well. Yeah, uh, and I work with Mr. Rapold here uh, as a co publisher of Film Comment, and um, during Can I'm doing some writing as well.
3: Yes, indeed, and I think by the time this is up, um, there will be a piece by Eugene already on the website as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of, it's always a bit of a slow takeoff. I was just saying that uh, maybe because I'm feeling a bit more alert than I usually am in the opening two days, um, I'm more aware of the slow takeoff, meaning that there's like the opening night film, but then the next day there's just maybe two, three, four films, maybe five films playing and not all of them are going to set the world on fire necessarily. Um, I don't know, Eugene, how many did you make it to today?
4: Uh, just a couple, you know, um, early into the festival, um, I'm catching a few things that are screening a bit later in the week, but also um, trying to uh, kind of knock off some of my, my meetings and things I need to do, uh, you know, so that when... Really, really, when tomorrow kind of, and the weekend kind of kicks in, when the festival kind of hits its stride, um, I can have my, my personal schedule clear for uh, as many movies as possible. So I think you're right. I think I think the festival does um, something about the way it's re, it's been rescheduled has kind of created a kind of soft. Mm-hmm. A soft build for the first couple of days. That's Although true. there's a moment in the in a film that I'm sure we'll talk about uh, shortly. A film that we just both saw. Um, mm-hmm. There's sort of an explosive moment in the mm-hmm. film that I think kind of uh, yeah. at least uh, knocked any any residual jet lag that I had <laughs> kind of out, of out of me and and forced yeah. me to kind of grapple with what I was uh, yeah. what I was watching.
3: Well, we could we can just dive right into that. Actually, it's yeah. it's a it's the competition film, or I guess one competition film that was press screening today. Mm-hmm. And that is by a first-time feature filmmaker and hit the jackpot with his first feature, getting in competition here. Uh, and it's called Les, uh, Les Misérables. Uh, I get to use my grade school French once nice. in a while. Nice. Um, directed by Lodge Lee, uh, who is a Paris-based filmmaker. Uh, and he I guess he's also run a film school, kind of a neighborhood film school, um, and has done a short film or two. Um, and this one, uh, how, how would you describe this one?
4: Well, I, I did a little bit of research just in the walk from the screening <laughs> to, to this uh, place where we're sitting in the, in the lobby of a hotel here, mm-hmm. um, to do this recording. Um, there was an interview that I had been wanting to, to, to quickly read and scan, uh, earlier today. He, there's a short film on which this feature is based, I, th- I believe. Yeah, I, think um, I have yeah, not yeah. watched the short, um, so at <laughs> some point, well, I'll probably have to take a look at that to sort of see how you know, see, to see exactly what he's exploring in this film uh, versus this feature. But 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 it's it's set in a specific Paris suburb, and I think the name is Bosque, Le Bosque, Le, Le Bosque okay. which is a specific uh, Paris suburb, and it's an area. I believe it's Le Bosque, B O S Q U E. Uh, and it's an area where, if, if folks are familiar with a photo project that the artist JR did a bunch of years mm-hmm. ago, he he went into this neighborhood because it's an area that um, specifically was connected to the riots of 2005, I believe. And um, he spent he spent some time JR, the artist JR spent some time looking at um, and 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 creating portraits of of many of the younger people in this area. And the movie is really, while not connected in any way to the JR art project, uh, it reminded me of some footage that I've seen from a short film that Jr. made about that photo project yeah. and some of the locations were very familiar to me um, like that art project by Jr., this film looks at the life of ostensibly uh, the lives of these young kids growing up in this neighborhood and also the trio of um, of Security personnel who 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 um, kind of try to try to manage and keep the peace in this area in the wake of of um, these these riots that happened um, and that are still very much on the minds of of everyone in this community.
3: Yeah. I'm trying to remember the acronym. It's SCU, I think. SCU. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what that stands for. We'll just call it the Special Crimes Unit.
4: That's what I thought it stood for, (laughs) but I'm sure Um, in in French it means something entirely different. But for the purposes of this conversation, it can be the Special Crimes Unit. Or the
3: Social Control Unit, maybe.
4: (laughs) Well, the way it it plays out in the movie is probably uh, more about social control. Yeah. uh, Certainly
3: and And the movie, it, it yeah, it, it kind of it's it starts off with a kind of ride along like feel to it. basically, it's following this um, just a, a, a kind of squad of three um, police officers. One of them is a new recruit. Um, and so they're kind of breaking him in. Uh, there's like a tough leader and then a somewhat I don't know softer hearted colleague mm-hmm. um, and and this new recruit. And um, they're just kind of tooling around. I don't really know what their patrol consists of. It really seems somewhat random.
4: Seems like they're. I I would. I would interpreting my little knowledge of this region, of this specific part of, of this Parisian suburb. um, I feel like they were put there to sort of like keep the peace, kind of report back. It's like. I wouldn't want to go so far as to call them like mall cops um, because they are like, you know, armed. But it feels like um, they're sort of like there to kind of keep the peace, kind of uh, navigate uh, kind of – in, maybe in the wake of you know what's happened there in the past, kind of navigate the community, and then kind of you know when things, if and when things might get out of hand, then call the the the, the real the, the the additional authorities to to come in and and uh, and navigate or manage any kind of situation. Yeah. Um. It, and I say that because it seems like the people who live in the neighborhood figure they kind of feel like the role of these guys is like like a certain, they have a, they're given a certain sense of authority, mm-hmm. but people don't seem to be treating them with a tremendous amount of respect. So that that's what makes right. me feel like they're, they're sort of like just a step above, or they've placed themselves sort of a step above folks who live there, but they're not quite like the, um, you know, the kind of, at the level of other authorities or kind of some, they see, they feel like kind of like in a corporate environment, they feel kind of like middle management to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, That's, and true, I don't, that's yeah. a fair analogy, but yeah.
3: And, and, and they, I guess I guess it's partly on on the model of like a yeah, community outreach kind of yeah. unit as yeah. well. Yeah. So they're supposed to try that the tactics of diplomacy or yeah. just, you know, relationship building before they use the tools that a police officer yeah. might use. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they kind of have this model exemplary situation. They start off where they're talking to a guy who's just out of prison yeah. and is, you know, wearing a suit and isn't angry at the guy who put him in prison. And that's kind of like, the, I don't know, the. the Example: of What could happen? I guess. Um, and but then, you know, quickly, you know, things kind of get out of hand. I don't really want to like right away unload on this film, but I definitely had a problem with how it it basically unfolded. Um, and and you know, the oh, one other element, another like I you don't know, vector in the movie is is this young um, a, a young kid who has a drone. And he actually uses the drone to spy on girls undressing in, in, the, in the housing project there, which I thought was like refreshingly like honest, like he's not, he's not like looking at birds and they're just kind of maybe, I don't know, it's just very French and open about that. Um, but what happens, you know, is that he captures a, a, a violent confrontation um, where the, the cops use, what do they call it again? Like a blast gun? Or, yeah. There's, so I don't the, want to say bop gun, that's the, uh, the,
4: the form the, the previously mentioned explosive moment yes. comes when in an altercation that happens between some of these kids and the SCU, yeah. um, a weapon a uh, a weapon is fired i don't know what the name of the weapon is either yeah, um you know we have like to pardon our like lack of knowledge of right, security of control. <laughs> forces and also the tools that they use but right. it's basically a device that 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 when 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 exploded yeah. um, out of a gun causes a tremendously explosively loud yeah. bang um probably meant to more like uh, kind of shock than anything else. Yeah, shock um, and disperse. And uh, but it does injure this kid, right. and it's captured by um, the 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 spying drone, drone of this young this young kid,
3: he, whose nickname is Buzz. Yeah, yeah. So Buzz catches it, and he's kind of he has glasses, so he seems like he sort of keeps to himself. You know that, that kind of so he's not like running with the other kids like doing stuff. He seems to be a bit of an outlier. Um, the so glasses
4: signify that he might be kind of a more an interior kid. Yes, that's you know, right. Like he's yeah. reading, or
3: I, w- I was expecting someone to grab the glasses, and break them, because that that had to happen. But his his iPad
4: device on which he controls the drone has like all these like cool stickers yeah. on it. <laughs> that's and, true. Yeah. You know he's got a really yeah. colorful room, and you know. Yeah. But I I think you're right. He's sort of a, he's sort of an outcast kid among this group of uh, yeah. kids that seem to run, uh, run occasionally amok or just kind of do their own thing. Yeah, just sort
3: of rambling around. And um,
4: but I think that's the turning point in the movie, right? Yes. The, 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 mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. This explosive <laughs> device goes off. Yeah. Um kind of causes a scene in which kinda of, kinda of causes a scene that no one was anticipating or sort of escalates, I right. should say a scene that maybe everyone thought they had under control. Right. And the movie kind of pivots now into this question of of what was on that video, what's been captured, right. and you know, did the did the SCU force did they use excessive force on this kid and if that video gets out, is it gonna trigger kind of another wave of extreme riots in this neighborhood that's already been that's still recovering from what happened right. not that long ago.
3: Right. Um, um, which is is interesting because the movie plays it pretty straight as like a as a plot device and may make you appreciate like what what, what a Haneke or or a Ruben Ostlund might do with with the kind of media aspect of that and and all the layers of like suspense and guilt and I don't know in just intractability of that situation. But here it's pretty much like, okay, the footage is out there, now we have something to motor the plot along. Um, and it's then it's basically like a series of uh, escalating confrontations yeah. and culminating in in like a climactic like stairwell showdown, um, which I. Yeah, again, like I just found on the level of filmmaking to be a total mess, I have to say, like, I, I just had no idea where we were. It just felt like they hadn't like plotted out the space to, in, in like charting it out as an actual space. So a lot of its impact was lost. Mm-hmm me um and i just felt at that moment also i mean all the kids who by this point are basically like besieging these these this like cop cop trio um they they do turn into a mob which till then somehow it had not felt as much like that but at this point it almost turns into like a cartoonish mob which arguably is what's also happening that they're kind of losing like an individual individuality but by this point i was really kind of waiting for the movie to end to be totally honest i don't know uh it just felt like a kind of a a a button pushing kind of manipulative um plot that was very clumsy yeah
4: i think i think we may <laughs> yeah. have had different responses or reactions mm-hmm. to the movie yeah. um and for me it's sealed in that last what's almost a half hour i think of kind of culminate uh, of of yeah. kind of dramatic a dramatic culmination that leads to this this at times correct at, at times you're right confusing kind of um, stairwell battle. Um, what's interesting about it and sort of taking half a step back mm-hmm. for me is that there there's this there's this very delicate balance that's that's going on in this community between these like middle management security force the scu folks that we were talking about who seem like they're sort of semi-trained or they are i mean they're they're trained but they're sort of like sort of embedded within this community i think you use like kind of community policing kind of or or something kind of force right Mm -hmm. um and they're plain clothes dressed and um and they're kind of you know on the run, kind of tracking, you know, various things that might be happening on a day-to-day basis. So there's them and then there's these kids who are kind of like other than than our, you know, our our drone kid with the glasses in his in his room, um, many of the kids are kind of like hanging out a lot, mm-hmm. like out in the playground, out, like just kind of like hanging out a lot. Yeah. And perhaps yeah. causing a little bit of trouble um, amongst the the various adults. And then there's like their parents or who seem to be their parents or the adult figures who are um, sort of somewhere in between. And they're kind of like – they kind of have this uneasy peace with the SCU authorities and kind of like are kind of keeping their eye off of – or not really keeping their eye on, I should say, the kids Mm -hmm. who are kind of doing their own thing. And that's what for me at least in the last sort of 20 minutes to half hour when kind of all hell breaks loose in this stairwell – um, between the kids and the SCU that's to me when it got really interesting F- and and this might seem like the strangest reference or maybe it totally seems appropriate mm-hmm. but like it's the home alone moment of the movie that uh-huh. kind of came from nowhere like I didn't expect to see this happen at all because uh-huh. these kids have been like secretly plotting their uh, 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 an attack yeah. that that unfolds in the last you know the last chunk of this movie right. um, and I don't know how much you give away when you're doing this podcast, but there's a a line that really resonated for me. I would say it. (laughs) Um, One of the characters, one of the sort of adult characters – Says to the kids when they when they're executing their home alone plot against these 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 authorities, the security personnel. He says, "Who gave you permission?" Uh, and he says it again, like a few seconds later. He says, "Who gave you permission, fuckers?" And it's like uh-huh, it's like right. know your place. You're just kids. Right. And in fact, like uh, what I what I interpreted that as, or what I interpreted the dynamics of these various groups in this in this community yeah. in that moment was like know your place. Like the adults kind of saying, know your place. And the kids kind of saying like, screw mm-hmm. you. Uh, we're tired of knowing our place. Nothing's changing. Right. We're kids. We're going to take charge now. And like mm-hmm. the future's ours. Like it was a very like kind of rebellious moment that I really kind of got off on because it's like, right. you know, uh, Parents, you're just kind of in cahoots with these like middle management security folks, and right. nothing's changing. Yeah. And we're tired of you know kind of being treated this way. And mm. so the kids kind of just like again in this home alone fashion kind of mm. um, create these uh, kind of very elaborate suddenly like <laughs> yeah. um, devices to um, to attack their their um, you know their security and kind of attack their, yeah. their their community leaders or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. It kind of it kind of jolted me in a way yeah. that I. Didn't expect, and it kind of illuminated, I guess, the dynamics in a way that were that was really kind of unique to, for me, at least.
3: Yeah, no, I I think I, that was something that I, I did did think that there was an energy to those scenes that was interesting, a, a kind of anarchic, chaotic energy. I, I did respond to that. I mean, I liked. I mean, one interesting thing about the, their whole like stand at the end against the cops is that every they attack everyone at the end. Yeah. They don't just attack the cops; they also yeah. attack like. This guy who runs like a restaurant, like a takeout restaurant, who ordinarily seems to be kind of like a bit of a religious authority or spiritual authority. They also attack like another kind of community leader and yet another community leader like they, I mean, they like attack with like some sort of fireworks or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fireworks are, are big in terms of their like repertoire as well as shopping carts full of rocks that they can also throw while pushing the shopping cart. So but yeah that energy I mean, was interesting yeah just c- yeah
4: it exhibited it it, it it showed off a really crafty bunch of kids yeah, who sort of true. all yeah. maybe they weren't just like lying around doing nothing all of those right. like sunny afternoons um, yeah. you know they were sort of like plotting secretly for their moment to kind of rebel against these authorities that are really not doing much to kind of further their lives and yeah and I'm, I'm, I may I may be reading way too much into a movie that I just saw but I think that's what sort of like that's what sort of energized me about
3: yeah about the film no I definitely I see that and I mean one other thing I just the, the drone Kid actually thought was kind of interesting as well because he, it just in the way that it kind of rethinks what a drone means in a movie a little bit, because he's a kid who's using the drone and ends up becoming like a rebellious tool as well, or, or just like a tool that could save him because he he films the confrontation with it inadvertently. So it's not like a God's eye thing. Yeah. It's just a kid who has it. Yeah. So it kind of reverses that power dynamic. Um, so that was
4: interesting. It's interesting to me to think about um, sort of who this filmmaker, uh, Laje Lee, as we believe how to pronounce his name, um, who, who and where he's sort of coming from. And uh, and I was immediately thinking about as I was watching this movie, I was immediately immediately thinking about the Matthew Kasovitz film Lahine, mm-hmm. um yeah. which is from the mid 90s. And I, I quickly read before we got on this that I guess that was that was the movie that inspired him to make yeah. to make films. I remember when that movie came out, being really intrigued by it, not knowing anything about who the who was or really about the world he was doc- he was he was uh, uh, making a movie about. Um, but I remember him being sort of influenced in some way or another by Spike Lee, mm-hmm. uh, and and w- and in this film, in Laje Lee's film, I, I was thinking a lot about that lineage. Um, you know, the, the kid with the drone to me was like almost a version of like a Mars Blackman kind of character with his mm-hmm. glasses. Like it evoked that mm-hmm. character to me. I think that it will be interesting to learn more about sort of where um and what this this filmmaker's background is. And I think that's what mm-hmm. happens at a festival like Cannes where, you know, the guy the guy who made it said in one of the interviews, like, you know, i he, he's as shocked as anybody else that the film is in competition in Cannes. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I thought the best we might do would be to hopefully play at director's fortnight, which is one of the, the sidebars here, you know, and it's typically yeah. where many of like the first time, you know, films might play to have a film elevated, kind of jumping three levels up um, yeah. immediately to competition and playing within the first few days of the festival is, is a really strong move on the, on the part of the, the curators. Clearly they see something unique about this guy. I, w- I was struck by something he said in, in this interview with with Variety, and it made me think about sort of you know sort of what he's doing with this school that he's created. He mm-hmm. said um, he said French cinema is very closed; it's reserved for a certain elite. You can count the black filmmakers on one hand. Uh, that's why we started our film school. And he says the fr- the school that he's created, which is a free school, is meant to give anyone who wants to participate uh, the chance to to network and seize the opportunity to join the next generation of French storytellers. That's from Variety. So I'm, I'm I mean, I the movie having just watched it and and kind of talking, you know, talking with you about it and some of the ways that it provoked me to think about the lineage of of, of filmmakers that he's been influenced by really intrigues me a lot and kind of makes me want to learn more about sort of what he's doing and want to see the short film and right. kind of and and kind of understand more about sort of uh, the world that he inhabits and sort of what he what he's you know what he's navigating. Yeah, yeah.
0: The film comment podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber presenting Long Day's Journey Into Night. In official selection of the Cannes Film Festival, Begon's follow-up to Kali Blues centers on a detective search for a woman from his past and culminates in a single, hour-long 3-D shot. The New York Times says watching it feels like dreaming with your eyes open, and the Los Angeles Times says it ranks among the great poetic and technical achievements in recent cinema. Long Day's Journey Into Night is now playing in 3-D at select theaters nationwide.
1: While the masters of international cinema grace the Closet, Mubi brings the best of Cannes to you. This month, stream highlights from the festival's past with Movie's annual Cannes takeover series. This year's impressive lineup includes Palme d'Or winner, four months, three weeks, and two days, as well as Amores Peros from this year's jury president Alejandro González Iñárritu, plus career bests from Cannes heavyweights, Gus Van Sant, Hirokazu kore Takeshi Miike, the Darden brothers, and many more. Plus, if you sign up during the festival, you'll get three months for just one dollar. From now until May 25th, go to movie.com/slash filmcomment to claim the offer. That's mubi.com slash filmcomment for 90 days of great cinema for just one dollar.
2: Avid.tv comes highly recommended. Richard Brody at The New Yorker wrote, its spectrum of new movies is far more substantial than that of Netflix and wider ranging than that of Amazon Prime. To save 50% off the monthly subscription price, go to www.ovid.tv, that's O-V-I-D dot TV, and use the coupon code CAN, C-A-N-N-E-S, at checkout. You'll get Ovid.TV for just $3.50 per month for the first three months of your subscription.
3: We have a little bit more time. I yeah. thought maybe we could uh, talk about just one other movie, and um, which actually kind of relates to this movie a little bit, I think, and probably that's no accident. Uh, but that movie is Bull, which is actually another debut feature um, in, in a regard, and the director's name is Annie Silverstein and this i think was also maybe grew out of shorts or out of a short Um, and she i guess she's done more kind of documentary work as well and actually she has also done some community work but with i guess native american communities in in in, uh, previous kind of her
4: previous career. Um so she had a short in the uh, Cinefundación Cine yeah, section yeah. I guess 2 years ago. Again, I haven't seen mm-hmm. that one either. Got to yeah. catch up with some short films. Yeah. <laughs> um but but yeah, there's a, there's a lineage that she has with the festival as well.
3: Yeah. And this uh, the reason I, 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 I it connects as well is it is about a um I don't know, I guess it, Young young teenage girl, and she's kind of at loose ends, and kind of kind of also like raises a little hell on her own. Like, the 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 movie is basically about her kind of interaction with um, a a cowboy or not a cowboy a rodeo. What's the word? Rodeo. He's not just a, he, I guess he's a rodeo cowboy originally, and now is kind of kind of, I guess, receding into rodeo almost assistantdom or clowndom, although he'd hate that. Um, But anyway, she basically goes into his house when he's on the road for work and and has a party with friends. And, And then she kind of becomes, she has to like work it off, you know, by cleaning up his house and all of that. But that relationship kind of ends up helping her like burgeon a little bit because she gets, gets involved in like the, the community and that culture, rodeo culture, learns about it. Um, so I guess in, in this case, this character kind of has a development that she can have. But it is interesting that there is the same kind of like wild energy initially with with her.
4: Yeah, really interesting. Um, it, it, it's interesting to me how, you know, seeing seeing a, a, a Polished feature that is unveiled, you know, to the world as we will see day after day, night after night for the next couple of weeks here and at the festival in Cannes is an opportunity to kind of scratch the surface, and I'm I'm so intrigued to learn more about the filmmaker's background in the work that she's been doing, social work, and how that informs her filmmaking. Which which to me was you know it was a really interesting um, exploration of I think the strongest part about it for me was was. Clearly, the the relationship that must have developed re- between her and this young lead actress, mm-hmm. who I think just had just did such an amazing job of kind of cultivating and nurturing and sharing that 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 life that you've just described so well, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and and in such a measured way, balancing that kind of energy with the kind of more interior yeah. aspects of her life, growing up in in what's clearly a really um, a really challenging environment, yeah, kind of it seems kind of economically depressed, yeah, um, area.
3: And I mean, her, her mother is in, in jail, so she visits and her gr- grandmother raises her and she has like a little sister as well who's kind of around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, you kind of realize halfway through, when is she going to school? You know, yeah, <laughs> because at one point I think her there is some someone who goes to school at some point. So you realize that she hasn't been or isn't or I don't know, it's a long summer. I don't know. <laughs> um, just just yeah, there's not really a safety net that's that's helping them out um, at the moment. And and yeah, I thought the actress was good at getting pretty persuasive that kind of teenage you know where you're kind of withdrawn but she's also her mind is turning you can see when she's she's always thinking about she's very good at like reacting to the people she's talking to and and, um so I I like that um other shoe dropping now I this is another movie where I just felt ultimately there were some like deep flaws in in like the scripting and it just didn't really know where to end up or how to make key turns in the script, in the story. And yeah, at a certain point it just felt like it was sort of one scene after another. And, uh, you know, and then also with, um, uh, as as with the the uh, with Lady Miserable, they're just like scenes that for me just like completely took me out of the movie. Uh, in this case, it's when, at a crucial moment in the movie, I guess out of frustration, she just drives her bike into a lake and it, which ends up becoming like a plot point because it allows something else to happen. But yeah. the way it's done, it just seems so
4: arbitrary. Yeah. and uh, I don't know. There, there's absolutely, yeah. I, I think you're, you're, you're hitting on kind of the, the delicate challenge of either a movie like this or this movie coming from someone who, you know, is very early on in her career. Mm-hmm. It's not even just loose ends, but there's like ends that don't even connect to other ends of right. the movie or other, it's, it's almost like certain scenes almost feel a little bit out of, either out of order or sort of out of place yeah. in a way that just sort of doesn't really add up. Fully, I feel like like she creates. She does a great job of creating this this world and and, and placing mm-hmm. us in this world uh, yeah. visually and like the the sound, the look, the costume, everything about like the world that we're inhabiting sort of immediately feels like authentic and and unique to this place. And 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 as is the case with Les Misérables, but I think in in Bull, it's sort of like you get in, and then sort of how do you like how do you move forward yeah narratively or or you know cinematically in that world
3: yeah yeah and I, you know i mean it's a first feature and i mean i go into a feature like that excited because you want to see oh there's a first feature in competition so you kind of want to want to see what what's what's up and uh, so you know it's 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 a process of discovery um but uh yeah i mean it it it, it looks pretty good too i mean you know has i feel like there was a good feel for like interiors and and like the rodeo actual like scenes were, were pretty interesting. Yeah.
4: There know. are a number of and, and I'm sure that you'll you'll be addressing them over the course of this podcast in the coming days. And I, you know, hope people who are listening will come back to 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 join or to participate in the conversation, listen to the conversations you're having with a variety of people over the next uh number of days because I think there's a number of anticipated um anticipated because they've been chosen mm-hmm. uh, first films or films from emerging filmmakers Mm -hmm. that um, that will be interesting to look at, Um, you know, whether it's uh, uh, a movie like Port Authority that I'm sure some people will talk about, or a movie like The Climb, uh, which, uh, which a number of uh, friends and colleagues have, have, uh, have quietly watched uh, in advance of the festival. And I think people will be talking about that, but, but what I, why I find that interesting is that this is a festival where often um, there are so many, well-known seasoned acclaimed auteurs who play here kind of day after day night after night and it's you know it the festival functions on such a high level with filmmakers that that are renowned the world over and critics from you know an industry from all around the world tens of thousands of them are really anticipating those debuts of films by people we've known for maybe decades yeah Um, it gets interesting to me to, uh, to, to kind of dig deeper when there are these these occasional and, and uh, a mix of folks who are really new to the scene getting dropped in these various sections. And and um, even when some of those films don't like 100% work at the level of maybe some of the, the more accomplished and, and acclaimed and established filmmakers that we'll see this week, um, there's something really interesting. There's clearly a reason why some of these films are dropped in and it, it, right. it gets interesting to try to sort of parse that out or kind of find that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. because there's also tremendous promise can doesn't always get isn't always known as that place for discovery, although there are certainly over the years and you know historically filmmakers who are discovered here, certainly, but it feels like people end up talking more and more about the more acclaimed and more established more so than the emerging
3: yeah uh, which which might describe just something about the festival itself maybe changing in the past I don't know twenty twenty five years you're you're not having. I don't know there's not like a Rosetta here or something, <laughs> or even something like Son of Soul, which was a feature debut it's in competition. Yeah. Which not everything's gonna be like that. Someone who is had a pretty fully formed aesthetic, you know, and is tackling like a just a monumental subject. Um, you know like that so it, it, that's a high bar for any any like person debuting um, and that doesn't really that doesn't really always happen I, I think when that happened it hadn't maybe happened for a few years those those
4: kind of fully formed yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of debuts are are few and far between I think at, yeah. at any festival let alone this one I mean it's interesting to have this year is the the 25th anniversary of Pulp Fiction when it premiered oh, right. here and while that certainly wasn't Quentin Tarantino's debut it was you know yeah. following his his acclaimed kind of first feature Reservoir Dog and and that film really you know catapulted him 25 years ago when you see a filmmaker like that emerge at this festival you know 25 years later kind of fully formed yeah. um, you understand how rare that is and I think you're right it's it's not often that 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 happens so so yeah. uh, entirely you know kind of, uh, package, so to speak. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. But, the, but then, you know, when you do get an early glimpse like that, you'll, you know, you go 10, 15 years down the line, you'll see how yeah. the, that person's it percolates into more general culture sometimes like who would have seen Dogtooth here in, I guess, maybe what was, I think it was in a certain regard. And then, you know, having the favorite be, you know, it's just a, a wonderful kind of fusion of his same, just like, completely twisted sensibility to a more much more traditional subject with you know huge stars um, i mean that's that's kind of i don't know how maybe that's a rare path as well but th- that's interesting to see
4: <laughs> yeah certainly i mean you yeah. look at you know in yorgos lanthimos um Director of Dog Tooth and The Favorite is is one of those is one of those filmmakers who's on the jury this year, uh, and it's so interesting to see you know uh, looking at the at the dais yesterday at the opening press conference or looking at the the red carpet last night uh, prior to to Jim Jarmusch's film. You know you see Yorgos mm-hmm. alongside Alicia Rorvacher, uh mm-hmm. who made her name here a number of years ago and has kind of mm-hmm. uh, very relatively quickly and in, in in short you know just a few films has emerged uh, um, and. So it is interesting to see how there are these moments where again these these emerging filmmakers kind of do make their mark and we can't always predict right. at this moment what that long-term mark will be yeah. um but it's interesting to me to have kind of this this more recent generation of of younger auteurs like Yorgos like Alice together on the jury to uh, to kind of help parse yeah. you know what we're all seeing alongside us this 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 festival.
3: Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned the the the, the age a little cuz I did actually at one point tally up the ages. I was curious in oh, competition. Yeah. And it was sort of more more or less evenly divided between people Let me see if I got this right. Um people like 40s and below and then above. <laughs> it was more or less evenly liked it was kind of remarkable um largely being and, and being one of the, the younger are young. I think the youngest is Madi Diop another like notable feature debut.
4: Highly anticipated um
3: which actually at least for the press or actually it's both I think is, is screening Thursday. Yeah. Um so that's another thing to look forward to. Yeah. But um, I think uh, I think that might bring us to the end of our our, our episode today. Um, but uh, tune in next time; we'll we'll have a lot to look forward to. The Matadiop feature uh, a new fe- and a new feature by Cláber Mendonça Filho, who directed Aquarius. Uh, he has a new one called Bakurao, which is quite anticipated. Uh, and of course, there's a Ken Loach movie, um, and and uh, the climb which Eugene mentioned. So a lot to look forward to. Um, Eugene, thank you very much.
4: Nick, thanks a lot.
2: From now until May 31st, if you go to www.ovid.tv and sign up with the coupon code CAN, that's C-A-N-N-E-S, you will receive 50% off the monthly subscription price for three months. That means you get Ovid.tv, the new streaming service for documentaries and arthouse films, for just $3.50 per month for three months.
1: This episode of the Film Comment Podcast was sponsored by MUBI. With MUBI, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Dive into movies CAN takeover by heading to Movie.com slash film comment. That's MUBI.com slash film comment to get three months for just $1 until May 25th.
0: The Film Comment podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting b Long Day's Journey Into Night. An official selection of the Cannes film festival that culminates in a single hour-long 3D shot Long Day's Journey Into Night is now playing in 3D at select theaters nationwide.
3: You've been listening to the Film Comment podcast with music by Greg Eindji. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comet has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, arthouse, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comet. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or
4: Kindle.